Hello Bad Things Universe, it's Jacob here in full editor mode, just here with a little trigger warning ahead of this episode. We do mention it slightly before the topic we get into, it's about the 13 minute mark in the episode. Uh, We talk about a song that Queen put out, not on the Hot Space album, which is what we're reviewing, but on a different album. And it's no rather unpleasant subject matter. It's it's not something that everyone is comfortable hearing, and that's fine. So when you sort of get to that bit, skip forward sort of about two or three minutes into the episode, and you should clear that nicely. And then we'll get on with the rest of the episode, which has no unpleasant nastiness to it at all. So just thought we'd let you know before we got officially underway with the episode. To counteract this horribleness, uh, I've included a little snippet of something that happened before we actually got into the main body of the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, right, a quick sip. Ah. (laughs) That was huge. You know, I swallow really loudly. Have you you ever noticed this? (laughs) I don't know what to do with that information. Hello, failing philanthropists and geriatric entertainers, and welcome to the latest instalment of the Bad Things podcast, where we promise to be far more live eight than live aid in our efforts to solve world hunger. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host and editor supreme as we deep dive into another awfully reviewed album, Jaws was never his scene, and he doesn't like Star Wars, it's Jacob Simmons. Generic arena rock salutations to you, Monsieur Simmons. Generic Deo to you as well, sir. <laughs> uh, I've never seen Jaws, uh, and I, but I do like Star Wars, so that was half right. Well done. Well, at least half of us do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I must ask you, of course, a generic question to start things off. What are we looking at today? Yes, well, this is going to be one hell of an episode because we are probably looking at our most high-profile entity, I guess, in the history of this podcast, in the main canon, from 1981. It's the Queen album that everyone loves to dunk on, Hot Space, or Queen Does Disco. (laughs) Yes, as I've written in my notes, finally, one of the most divisive acts in rock history are to be thoroughly examined here on Bad Things as we have a look at Queen's White Rock Does Disco album, Hot Space. Let's get straight to some prehistory and then also a special selfish segment from me uh, because there's a shit ton to talk about. It's time, of course, for the prehistory here on Bad Things. Jacob, Queen, smile. How did it happen? Yeah, I mean, where do you want me to start? You know, they're one of the biggest bands in British history, in world history. Just an extensive discography of incredible hits. All started in... I I, I haven't researched this, it's just going off the top of my head. It all started in sort of the early 70s, I think, 
when I've, I've got the late sixties down. Is it here. really the late sixties? Yeah, Brian mad. Brian May's like seventy four, right? <laughs> Did you see? Was it wasn't he in the in the news recently because he ripped his ass open or something? <laughs> oh my god! I, I thought he... you were going to say he ripped some fencing down to free some badgers <laughs> from their plight. She's often his uh, raison d'etre nowadays. He loves badgers and he loves stars. Those are his two loves. And Anita Dobson. Those are the three things. He oh, loves. it's begun, isn't it? It really has begun. <laughs> so yeah, late sixties, I suppose. Um, it was Brian May and John Deacon were in a band called Smile, named because uh, no, sorry, Roger Taylor, not Roger Deacon. He's he's later. Roger Taylor uh, was in was in this band called Smile because Roger Taylor was a dental student at the time. <laughs> Uh, and a young Farouk Balsara, as he was then known, uh, met up with them and decided to join the band as their lead singer. Uh, Farouk Balsara would later change his name to Freddie Mercury, and the rest is history. And John Deacon was there as well doing the bass line. Uh, and what happened next was just a massive cultural phenomenon, you know? Like, I think first album I want to say is 71, 72, I think is Sheer Heart Attack. Or is it just called Queen? I can't. It's called remember. Queen. It's just I've called got, Queen. I've got okay. 1973 down. 73. Okay. I thought I haven't researched this. So. <laughs> uh, and and it, they just went from strength to strength, starting out as a sort of glam rock entity, then moved into more stadium rock, disco, uh, synth stuff, back to rock again, and you know, unfortunately, culminating in the in the sad passing of Freddie Mercury from. Uh, an AIDS-related illness in 1991. And that is a very whistle-stop tour of just one of the most fascinating, interesting, just enormous bands in music history. And I cannot, I can't do it justice, unfortunately, uh, in the space of this podcast. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best I can do, having done no research into the topic. <laughs> Couple of things from my notes to mention. Yeah. Uh, the previous singer of Smile was called Tim Staffel. Yes. Um, so I wonder how that went down in the late 60s when he was replaced by a man called Farouk Bulsara. <laughs> uh, not to make uh, certain assumptions about people's attitudes uh, around that time, even in West London. Um, Brian May, he loves badgers, he loves stars, <laughs> and he also loves physics and infrared astronomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the degree he did at Imperial College um, in between writing material for the band. Uh, I listened to a bit of Smiles material on YouTube, uh, and it is pretty uh, standard hard rock psychedelic fare. Okay. Um, not a great deal to report uh, beyond that. Uh, Tim Staffel left the band to join a group called Humpy Bong. Humpy Bong, yeah. Uh, which I think they mentioned in Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a whole film I have sort of mixed feelings about that we're probably yeah. going to talk about. It's less good in retrospect. I enjoyed it within the moment, uh, but having read up on some of the inaccuracies, um, <laughs> I don't know what was we, going on with the moral compasses of the people we, who wrote that film. Are we talking about that now, or can we talk about that later? We'll talk about that. We can bring that up later, yeah. All right, okay, okay. So, yeah, that was Queen. Can we can we not do the shitting on uh, Deacon as well? Uh, because uh, we're going to get to some, some facts about John Deacon where I'm like, how is this uh, the real world? How is a, a white man written this baseline? A white, a white British man written this baseline? Called John. Called John. Uh, who yeah. now, uh, the last known picture of him is him carrying some Tesco bags <laughs> on the street. 
Yeah, John, Jeez, I John really Deacon. went in on the research here. I was enjoying this. You really did, um, yeah. John Deacon um, now, unfortunately, hates Queen and everything it stands for, which is a real shame. And uh, I, I think that's a bit unfair. I think he just he, doesn't want to be in in the biz, right? Well, he was. Wasn't he just like after Freddie died, he was just I'm done with this and left. Yeah, and and was never really heard or or seen again. Which is apart a shame. from when he went to Tesco's. <laughs> What's his meal deal, do you think? What's oh, John Deacon's John Deacon, meal deal? Uh, BLT, 100%. Okay. okay, he eats meat. Oh, no, we're okay. shitting on him, and he's like my <laughs> second favourite member. Um, a BLT, uh, some Evian, and uh, s- some McCoy's Flame Grilled Steak. He gets water in the meal deal. That is yeah. the biggest insult you can ever label. Well, it is for you, isn't it, you you plastic warrior? (laughs) For God's sake. So, yeah, Queen uh, are a thing, uh, and they start recording albums, and I just wanted to do a whistle-stop tour of their recording history. Oh, God, is that Um, even possible? No, it's not, but I'm going to be very... I'm going to give my thesis on what happened here, basically. Shall I put some jaunty music underneath this to sort of move it along? Some lift music. Okay, I'll put some music. Maybe I'll put the Vision On theme in here. Okay. <laughs> so, from what I listened to, Queen 1 and Queen 2 were fairly generic, uh, proggy rock albums. Essentially Led Zeppelin Light. Not a great deal to report. There's a few mention of Ogres, if, they, if that's of any interest to you. Um... <laughs> Then it starts to go a bit weird and a bit poppy. You've got Sheer Heart Attack and Night at the Opera, A Day at the Races. I would kind of clump those three together from what I listen to. Mm. Um, Especially A Night at the Opera is, of course, known as the Queen album uh, for all its ridiculousness and its pop hooks and famous songs. I think that's a fair thing to say, isn't it, Jacob? There's there's fewer famous songs on there than you'd think. I think, well, the only two, I think, out of the ones that people would know, Bohemian Rhapsody and You're My Best Friend okay. are on there. Um, there's there's tracks on there like 39, which is a sort of space folk kind of song, <laughs> which is Brian May talking about going on this voyage back in time. Uh, it also famously has I'm In Love With My Car on there, which was the B-side to Bohemian Rhapsody and made <laughs> Roger Taylor a fuck ton of money uh, <laughs> for doing absolutely nothing uh, and has weird sort of uh, sort of pastiches of dancehall music with tracks like Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon and Seaside Rendezvous. So it's a real mixed bag of, of songs on that album. Uh, but it's a good album. I'll give it that. It's a very, very good album. And can I just say that Seaside Rendezvous will be appearing again in this episode, and very shortly. Then, I think it's fair to say stuff gets a bit poppier, um, at least hook-wise, even if it's still kind of hard rock. Uh, would you call it? I don't know what this stuff is. I really don't. Uh, we've got News of the World, Jazz, uh, and The Game. Um, and then the Flash Gordon soundtrack with that fucking awful title theme from 1980. No. Do you like Flash Gordon? Yeah, it's fun. jeez. Dispatch war rocket agents to bring back his body. That's why they didn't like Jaws, because it sounded like the Jaws theme. So that is their kind of really quick discography. They're almost a reverse band going from... So, stuff with artistic merit, although about kind of ogres and fairies and stuff that I don't really like, to just pop fluff, really. Um, uh, it's almost the Genesis kind of discography, in a way. 
Um, and Jacob, you actually listened to the, not the Flash Gordon soundtrack, but the <laughs> studio the studio album before uh, this album came out, The Game. I did, um, yes. How can did I just, you get on Can get I just say before we started, in, in the early 80s, because Hot Space was 81, The Game is 1980. In the, in the sort of interim between those two albums, they not only put out the Flash Gordon soundtrack, but they also put out the first volume of Queen's Greatest Hits, which is, I believe the most bought album of all time is, is that not in the uk is that, is that just the uk i think they I worked think... it out that something like one in three households has a copy <laughs> of that album which is <laughs> ludicrous and, and one it... in one charity shops <laughs> the average is probably higher because they've probably got several charity several copies knocking around uh but yes i did listen to the game um, which has quite a few famous tracks on there. Another One Bites the Dust is off the game. The the, the song uh, Play the Game is off there. It's the opening track. And one of my all-time favourite Queen songs is the closer on that album, which is Save Me, which is a fantastic song. I love that song. Uh, there's also a song called Dragon Attack, which... <laughs> <laughs> which isn't mu- isn't much to write home about. And there's this, one of the worst songs I've ever heard, which is a song called Don't Try Suicide. Um, and Can we just trigger warning here, yeah, maybe? Yeah, I'm going to put one at the start of the podcast as well. But my God, this song gets into some pretty deep stuff, Nathan. Uh, you've heard it as well. Uh, how do we go about this in a delicate way? Or is that just I... not possible? I've heard this two or three times. I think I heard this originally when I had my queen phase back in the day. Um, I th- so I think I've heard this three or four times now. Um, mm-hmm. It's a fr- the narrative I get is this guy telling his friend, "Don't try and kill yourself because no one will care, and you won't <sighs> like it." <laughs> yeah. Um, do I? I don't know. Do I want to read these? Um... Do I want to read we've, the chorus? We've done a trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're fine. Um, I'm just getting flashbacks to when I had to read the lyrics to "I Want to Be Black." I'm just doing, <laughs> just trying to take, just trying to do that again. Uh, the chorus is "Don't try suicide. Nobody's worth it. Don't try suicide. Nobody cares. Don't try suicide. You're just going to hate it. Don't try suicide. Nobody gives a damn." Which is, I mean, the message. There is good. We should probably be trying to not let people commit suicide, but at the same time, it's not ver- it's not handled in a very good way. Um, the, re- the refrain is good, but the additional comments, you know, nobody cares. I yeah. mean, often, you know, often the reason behind people considering such an act would be that exact well uh, reason. There's a, there's a light. One of the verses is so you think it's the easy way out. Think you're going to slash your wrists this time, baby. When you do it, all you do is get on my tits, <laughs> which is don't try not. To... <laughs> which is which is one of the most awful, hilarious things I've ever read in my entire life. But the game, the game is it's a pretty good album. I wouldn't say it's anything special. I think obviously the the three main tracks i mentioned speak for themselves but it's interesting because it is it is fairly different from where we're going next but not that different but we'll get into that a bit later on i think um well thank you i'm just trying to recover really um yeah thank you jacob yeah that was i think we're just saying it really weirdly the game and now it's time we need to sound the segment klaxon or maybe a dale 
Um, <laughs> it's time for the five Queen songs that I actually like. Um, uh, and I, do, do you mind me indulging in this? I think it's going to be quite enjoyable. I mean, I, I like how you asked me for the first time midway through the recording session. I have no I choice. Did, uh, hang on, I definitely <laughs> framed this on Messenger as, uh, you know, <laughs> this is a selfish exploration. It's fine. It's fine. Take take the floor, please. Take the floor. Before we get going, I just wanted to say, I know I've seriously shat on Queen for the duration of this podcast, but I've got to say, listening to their stuff outside of, you know, their legacy being shattered by their ubiquitous appearances at weddings and awful club nights, I had a much better time than I thought I would, Jacob. Yeah. Well, I, in, in another segment we did, I believe, was Queen one of your three bands that everyone gets but you don't or yeah was, i don't think you, uh, yeah was that an honorable mention i can't I don't, remember I, don't, I think it might have been an honorable mention because i do like freddie mercury so yeah um, i think it was an honorable mention actually i think i got through greatest hits one and two that's all uh, you need three is yeah. a bit three is a bit dodgy <laughs> going to start off this list with some honourable mentions. Uh, we've already talked about it. Seaside Rendezvous from A Night at the Opera is a ridiculous musical number that I have always actually enjoyed uh, since I first heard it. I think you would be in agreement with that. I love that song. I think that's brilliant. I, that, that whole sort of Queen, sort of weird, tongue-in-cheek musical revival thing, I can really get behind. That's so my sense of humour. I love it. I do wonder why we're Paul McCartney fans. <laughs> Sound the Beatles claxon. <laughs> I also have to mention These Are the Days of Our Lives, which mm. I think is a beautiful and heartbreaking coda to Queen's output and Freddie's life. Uh, not the most interesting song instrumentally, no. but fuck or me, lyrically. is that a sad, fucking sad song. And the video as well, I think, is uh, really tips it over the edge. <sighs> yeah. where he's, just, he's just not in a good good way. Um, it's, 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 yeah, the actual song itself, without the context, is bang average but in the context of what it means yeah it's uh it's heartbreaking oh oh geez struggling oh geez emotional um okay um so should we do number five let's do it and all i've got to say about number five is have a fall So number five is Hammer to Fall, a, what have I written here? A pure spunking hard rock song, somehow about the Cold War. Also my favourite intro to a song ever at Live Aid, as I just did there. You must like this one, surely. It's a great song, yeah. that was. Uh, this song is touted as by many as Queen's return to hard rock, and uh, it does not disappoint. Uh, when was, well obviously it came out before 85, but um, was the album called Hammer to Fall? There's no album called Hammer to Fall no. in my notes. I can't remember what album this was from, but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a good little rocker. Yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, Here we are, tall and proud in the shadow of the mushroom cloud. It's a pretty good line. I'm just thinking about the live a performance now. <laughs> right, stop. Um, so number five, Hammer to Fall. Number four, good old fashioned lover boy. Another ridiculous music hall number sounds fucking amazing in headphones with the phasing and the harmonies. And I love that sudden, I guess you would call it the bridge where they turn really macho briefly and they're like, hey, boy, where did you go? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. that another great song. Um, I love the uh, the whole performance aspect of Freddie's character in that song is is amazing. Uh, what is it? I will pay the bill. You taste the wine. Just take me back to yours. That will be fine. Oh, he's so cocky, and I love it. Um, there's also a great bit. I think it's in the final verse where the backing singers go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock, which I always <laughs> I always really enjoy that for some reason. Yeah, they've got better numerical um, succession than Bill Haley did, to be fair. Or Victoria Beckham is what I thought you were going to say. (laughs) No, she was all about the specifics, come on. (laughs) Number three, uh, just a beautiful song, uh, You're My Best Friend. written by John Deacon which I didn't know mm-hmm. um, uh, which is just amazing this guy who just quit the entire music industry was capable of this back in the day but it takes on an even greater significance when you consider Freddie's complicated relationship with Mary Austin which is a relationship that I think despite the reviews is pretty well fleshed out in the Bohemian Rhapsody film when someone is your best friend, but you don't, oh, you don't love them in that way. Oh, it's complicated. It's messy. Um, love it, love it in that context. Um, and God knows what Freddie Mercury's sexual preference was. <laughs> uh, I think John Deacon wrote that song about his wife, if I'm not mistaken, which is very interesting because that's a very straightforward way yes. of looking at it but obviously once it's you know in the voice of freddie mercury i remember being a kid and hearing that song and i remember asking my mum actually is he singing about a boy or a girl and Ooh. uh my mum was like who knows <laughs> quite flippantly but you know that that's that's you know pretty spot on i think with freddie we, no one ever really knew i don't know how much he knew to be honest oh that scene in the film where she's like turns the light off in that house that he bought her oh (laughs) so sad um speaking of sadness and yearning number two is somebody to love A madly impressive vocal from Freddie and the band on backing harmonies as Queen does gospel really well. (laughs) The lyrics, especially combined with the gospel influence, create a song about faith, desperation and soul searching as the singer uh, questions the existence of God. Once again, extra significance considering Freddie Mercury was not a straight man and probably looking for somebody to love. I uh, I would give this song five stars out of five. Whoa! I think, it is, I think it is a phenomenal song. The bit where it breaks down in the middle and builds back up again is yeah. oh, it's so well done. It's an amazing. And you song. you don't give five stars very often. No, as well. no, You're, I do that's not. That's a real rarity. Yeah, and that's one that I it's consistently stayed in my five star list. Uh, and as n- I've never had second thoughts about it because it is so amazing. The vocals are so good. On is that, that his best vocal performance? <sighs> I mean, that is that is like I from don't a pure power perspective. It's like trying to trying to put out Shakespeare's best play. It's like 
I'm not going to get in on that comparison, but all right. <laughs> all, right actually... English, all right, English lit. Um, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's one of many, 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 many amazing vocal performances. Uh, you know, in episode two, when you asked me who my favourite vocalist of all time was? Yes. I think it's Freddie Mercury. Okay. Yeah, I think he I is mean... ob- objectively one of, if not the best, mainstream singers ever. Top ten of all time. Yeah. Or oh, top five. Easy. Also completely destroying the stereotype that, you know, people that aren't straight are some sort of, you know, I don't even know what I'm saying, but you get me, you know, there's, there's power there. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. power there. Nathan's going to um, get very emotional about Freddie Mercury. I'm going to get very, I mean, literally his every movement is just, you know, a total fuck you to everyone really. And I love it. One moment galloping, one moment thrusting his fist, looking like he's going to punch everyone. It's wonderful. It's wonderful mm-hmm. to see. And number one, I wonder if you can guess, what do you think could it be, Jacob? I mean, I thought it was going to be Seaside Rendezvous. But, uh... <laughs> um, I think God. you're going to be surprised. Yeah, probably am. It's not another one bites the dust. No, f- no, pseudo-funk uh... doesn't make the list. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know what aspect you're going to go for here, whether it's going to be the, the instrumentation, the vocals, the lyrics... I don't know. If what, I, what is it? If I told you it was written by Roger Taylor, would that narrow it down at all? Is it you? I'm in love with my car? <laughs> it's not I'm in love with my car, no. <laughs> um, I can't remember anything else he's written. Um, it's not the Freddie Mercury tribute song, is it? <laughs> what's that? Um, what's that song called? Uh, no One But You? I've no idea oh, what okay. that is. Never mind. All right. Uh, my number one Queen song... Very heavily driven by the Live Aid performance is Radio Gaga. Oh, wow. What is fascinating that you hear? A beautiful musing on nostalgia and loyalty to dying media. Although radio survived, I guess. Great synth worker over this as well. Uh, looks like a Roland fest from what I read about the song when I read up on it. Roland synthesizers all over the place. Made all the more powerful by the sight of 70,000 plus people clapping along to the refrain at Live Aid. Now that is a dictatorship done correctly. <laughs> I was really not expecting that at all. You having a go at them for being, being poppy. And this is one of their most poppy. Oh, but the it's just the performance is insane. <laughs> I'm not. I, I mean, it's a good song. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not a good song. I, d- I just would not expect that to be your number one. That's. Can uh... you not get behind the? <laughs> I can. Yeah, I thought maybe I want to break free might have been uh... in there somewhere, considering, you know, the the context of everything. Again, and the video as well informs that context. Once again, just ruined by Club Nights, unfortunately, <laughs> that song. Isn't there a video out there of you performing this song in semi-drag? What? I, I want, want to, to break, break free. free. Yeah. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, I've just got a pity on. Everyone yeah. else went for it, and I was like, I really can't be bothered. I've got a seminar in about 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good list, I would say. I mean, if uh, my I, I, I like way more than five queen songs i'm a big queen fan uh they're my first band i ever got into i think i've said that on the podcast before and uh yeah i agree with all those picks i love that seaside rendezvous made the top five. Oh, mate it's an honorable mention oh sorry okay that's a shame yeah 
any any ones you want to bring up that you think deserve a shout? They uh, can't be on Hot Space. Come on. My favourite Queen song of all time is The Show Must Go On. Okay. I think, again, just if you link it into the context of his illness and the whole sort of my makeup may be flaking, but the smile oh, still stays on. It's just so... It's just so powerful, this idea that, you know, through everything, you know, our internal strife, we power on, we continue, we put on a show. And I think that really encompasses Freddie Mercury as a person. And God, it's got some wallop to it, that song as well. When the harmonies come in, it's it makes my hair stand on end. It is an amazing song. That's five stars as well. That's it, Jacob. Do, should we? Are we diving in? Shall we do it? Are we di- Are we going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody now, or do you want? Should we? Do you want to talk about the film Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, we we both watched it for research. Um, you never did seen it give it you any actual factual research? Uh, no, because it's all wrong, Nathan. <laughs> The only thing they got right was the band was called Queen and he was called Freddy. Yeah, okay, as a fit, like, if I didn't, you know, if the information wasn't out there, like, this is like a 7 out of 10 film. Like, okay. it does the job. Like, I enjoyed it. Mm. Um, and then I read that he didn't tell them that he had AIDS uh, the day before Live Aid. He didn't know. And he didn't know. He didn't even know years. that he had the, he didn't even know he had the HIV or AIDS virus at that point. Uh, that sort of put a real dampener on things, really, because that is just not okay. There's, there's only so much artistic license I'm willing to allow. And uh, the HIV and AIDS virus uh, is, of course, one of the biggest traumas the gay community has ever had to face. To play with the facts with that is, frankly, disgusting. Hmm. Um. Do you want some more? In, do you want some more inaccuracies? Or uh... yeah, yeah, far away. I, uh, I hope they're not as. I hope I don't get as fired up about them as I did then. It's it's just it's little thing. Well, there's little things like that. The whole scene with "We Will Rock You." There's a big scene where Brian May writes that song. That apparently takes place in 1980. That's wrong. It was the song was released in 1977. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole drama about Queen. Uh, resenting Freddie for leaving to do his solo stuff is completely falsified. They didn't care. He was releasing Queen albums alongside his solo stuff in the 80s. And maybe the biggest transgression is the whole sort of storyline with Mary Austin is framed very heavily around the song Love of My Life from A Night at the Opera, which (laughs) allegedly is written about her. But in real life, there is some pretty strong evidence to prove the song is not written about her. It is, in fact, written about Freddie's first boyfriend, a guy called David Minns, who is completely erased from the film. <laughs> oh, God! There's a whole thing about the fact it just it whitewashes over his entire queer history it makes the fact that makes out the fact that he's gay to be you know the reason that he died basically these sort of drug-fueled orgies and 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 his relationship with Paul Prenter Uh, the whole portrayal of Jim Hutton his partner is done in about five minutes the servant yes the servant which is not true he didn't meet him (laughs) at when he was a waiter at a house party he met him in heaven in 1980 And that and and it, there's a lot of issues with that film, but you know it's a biopic. It's never going to be absolutely right. And I, I would agree with you as a standalone film. It's 
it's very good. I got very emotional watching that film at some points, but and also the fact that it ends with a live aid performance and then it cuts to black and a screen fades up that just says Freddie Mercury died of AIDS in 1991. That is a jarring cut. That and is so bizarre. Yeah. It's it's so weird. It's a really weird film. It was a very successful film. It bagged a shitload of Oscars, including one for Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not flawless. Um, I think in terms of... Because two films came out very similar time. There was that one and there was The Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. I think I prefer Rocket Man as a film. Um, but yeah, maybe that's just I'm more attached to the source material with Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd still go out of my way to see it again. I'd still recommend it to people, but just know it's not in any way, shape or form to be taken accurately. Uh, I, yeah, every day I'm being pestered to watch... Bah- uh, duh, I've already watched that one. To watch Rocket Man. Uh, yeah. So I should really, I should really get on that. Oh, maybe Bohemian when we, Rhapsody. maybe looks, when we review an Elton John album, we'll uh, we'll do Rocket Man. Oh, when I put Victim of Love on the list again, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, um, decent standalone film, but my god, like I don't know how they got away with some of that stuff. And the 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 members of like May and Taylor were at the premiere. Yeah, like what what was what? <laughs> I mean, they were they were executive producers, so they stood to make quite a bit of money from this film. So, you know. Oh yeah, you know, save the badges, but you know, my lifelong <laughs> friend who died of AIDS. Yeah, no, we'll just we'll just tarnish his legacy. Yeah, it's fine. Saving badges doesn't come cheap, Nathan. We've Sorry, gotta, we've got to get the funds from somewhere. Can I just say, the guy in Bohemian Rhapsody who plays Brian May does such a good Brian May. It is phenomenal. He looks so much like him. I uh, prefer him playing Brian May to Brian May playing the guitar. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that. Oh, dear. And now we're going to talk about the thing we're actually here to talk about. Actually, way less waffle than I thought there was going to be. Jacob, it's the album. It's Queen's Hot Space. <laughs> Just to give an indication of how much of a jarring change this was to, uh, to for Queen. Before 1979, Queen had never used synthesizers on their albums. How unusual is that? Were there lots of synthesizers going around at the time? I don't really know. I feel like even the hardest of rock would have a synthesizer in there somewhere. Okay. Surely. <laughs> they were very sort of meat and two veg rock by this point yeah they did a they did a pretty decent job of it but yeah you're right that is mad this album was very heavily pushed by uh freddie mercury and john deacon who were far more r&b orientated than the other two members of queen just a reminder here that a white british introvert and electronics engineer john deacon wrote another one bites the dust the world is fucking weird (laughs) people i in again in bohemian rhapsody that there's a big deal about, oh, we don't want to do disco. We don't. There's actually a scene where they're at a press conference for this album, which was really weird. But when when you hear another one bites the dust, it's not really disco, is it? It's still it's a, a, it's a it's, funk song. Well, it's funk. It's a yeah. funk rock song. Yeah, but it, I think a lot of people would consider it to be a rock song, like. And pretty famous at that. It, it, it's one of Queen's biggest hits. And written by John Deacon. <laughs> by John Deacon. <laughs> the album cover, Freddie's Idea, is one based loosely on an Andy Warhol screen print style showing the four members in separate quarters, also known as a rip-off Let It Be album cover. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god! Even I'm getting sick of this now. This is... sorry. No, it's fine. It's okay. Uh, yeah, the, I like the album cover a lot, actually. Oh, it's great. Did you say it was released in 1981? Because I've got 82 down here. Oh, okay. I told I didn't do any research. Okay, you've also not sent me the script for this episode because you didn't. Sorry, want to, you didn't want to spoil your top five. So I didn't want to spoil my thoughts on the entire thing, Jacob. <laughs> that's that's there fair was enough. No... That's fair enough. <laughs> Released on the 21st of May, 1982. <laughs> Is this an argument? Are we having an argument? <laughs> no, we're not having an argument. I, I will send you the scripts going forward. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, EMI released it in the UK and Electra Records, who the doors were on back in the day, released it in the US. Um, that's all my background for Hot Space. Shall we do track one? Um, yeah, I, it's, it's weird because I think... We sort of need to talk a bit about the reception now because this this was a huge departure from what Queen fans were expecting and a lot of them didn't take it very well and I think that is important to bear in mind going forward. I don't won't read out any reviews or anything but yeah it's very important to remember that people I think were out to get this album from the very start regardless of whether or not they'd actually heard it. So bear that in mind when we get to the review segment. Is that fair to say, Nathan? That is a fair comment, yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot better in retrospect than uh, when it was initially released, in my opinion. <laughs> um, so track one, uh, not one for subtlety. Uh, this is a pretty ridiculous opening number. We are going to be listening now to Staying Power. See what I got. I got a hell of a lot. Tell me what to feel. Oh yes, <laughs> starting off the album with a funk rock banger. Um, I'm not really sure if this is about anything beyond being in a strong relationship, uh, but the subject matter is verging on irrelevant uh, with the power of the horn section and Freddie's vocals. Fucking love this song. <laughs> I've also noted down the horn section. I think the bass line is great, a sort of synthy bass line. Uh, I agree, the, the content is not much beyond literally we got stay in power um but there's some really nice turns of phrase in this uh i've picked out i've got a fire down below i'm just a regular dynamo it's quite a nice sort of (laughs) if you do have a fire down below please do consult your your doctor or gynecologist Um, is is that your uh is that your gigolo profile (laughs) uh, regular dynamo jacob simmons my 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 stage name is regular dynamo r-e gilla dynamo and uh i assume he doesn't mean uh, I assume he means like a fast-moving thing, not the magician Dynamo. But I don't think the only thing I know about Dynamo is he had stomach issues. <laughs> yeah, he has has Crohn's disease. Oh, it's Crohn's <laughs> disease, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Dynamo. The only thing I've got about this track is that I think it goes on a bit too long. It's about four minutes, which I do think it, it does sort of repeat itself after a while. Um, I I want the twelve-inch version. Oh There's got to be a twelve-inch version of this out there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but I think this is an amazing way to kick off the album. It's very sexy. This song is very sexy. <laughs> it is kind of kind of a sexual farce. Like it is a ridiculous <laughs> song. 
Sexual farce is the name of my other gigolo act. The horns were arranged by Arif Mardin, who is an absolute legend in the world of R&B. If you want to know more about, if you liked that small snippet of staying power, uh, check out his early to mid 80s stuff with Shaka Khan. I think he did the arrangement for I Feel For You, etc. Before we move on from this song, Jacob, did you hear the Milton Keynes (laughs) Bowl version of this song? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a live version on the deluxe edition, I believe. Yeah. Which I, I don't, which probably came out several decades after the fact. But, um, yeah, it's very, it sounds very different live. It sounds more rocky live, I would say. But it is bonkers. <laughs> it's a hell of, yeah, I mean, it's a hell of a song to do live. Um, and the crowd seemed to like it as well, which surprised me, because I thought everyone would shit on this from a great height. I can never doubt the fans of Milton Keynes. <laughs> They've got to have some excitement in their life. Sorry, <laughs> Milton Keynes. I've been to the Milton Keynes Bowl. I saw Foo Fighters there. That was it. Is it still a thing? Yeah, still going. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is rather predictably, just off a roundabout, but it's a good, <laughs> it's a good venue. Is it, yeah. is it really big? Yeah, it's massive. Oh, it's, wow. There's like three layers Oh my it. god! It's a great venue. I really liked it there. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I saw Iggy Pop there supporting the Foo Fighters in 2015. <laughs> how how was his torso from afar? Uh, well, it was more his legs that was the problem because he had to sit down several times during the performance. Oh <laughs> he was dear! Only on for about half an hour. <laughs> what was what was the advert he was in? What car insurance <laughs> advert? Oh, what was that? Was it Confused.com? No, Swift oh, I Cover. Can't... It was Swift, Swift Cover. <laughs> so punk rock. Um, <laughs> more pop hooks for you now. Are we, doing uh, a, are we doing a star rating? Oh, sorry, a star rating, yeah. Four out of five. Oh, wowzers. Okay, uh, three and a half. <laughs> three and a half for me. But hey. yeah, great song. Really, really good song. Track two, uh, Pop Hooks and Dance Rock continues with the song, aptly named Dancer. Perfectly serviceable dance rock number. The the hook's a bit annoying, I thought. Dancer, dancer. <laughs> I quite like this song as well. Uh, I yeah. put that there are some actual guitars on this one, presumably to keep Brian May happy. Um, <laughs> I really like the drums on this as well. Very pounding sort of drum mm-hmm. drum pattern. Uh, I can't tell if it's a, probably a machine. Uh, it's probably Roland back again. Um, there's a great pun in this song. I don't know if you've got this down. I'm not sure I do. Go on. Freddie Mercury sings, you're the life and soul of the function. Oh. (laughs) I'm happy I didn't pick up on that one. There is some confusion from Freddie as to whether or not his love interest can dance or not, because there's a sequence of lyrics where he goes, I can't believe you're dancing. Can't take you home. I can't take you dancing. Bring out the (laughs) funk. 
and dance the night away. What you, Freddie, what you, which one? You've got to pick one or the other. Maybe it's sciatica for the evening or something, and then, then it gets better. <laughs> I had the word sciatica to, talked about in a funk rock context before. That's a new one. Oh, someone needs to release a song called sciatica. sciatica. Come on. Um, uh, there's, I've a, got a cu- there's a weird bit in German at the end as well. Roughly translates to good morning, this is your wake-up call. <laughs> Woken up by Freddie Mercury. <laughs> In German. There's an amazing vocal inflection with a bit where Freddie goes, you gotta know why. I love that bit. <laughs> um. <laughs> the Nathan Packham Freddie Mercury tribute album is coming soon. It's coming soon, including all your favourites. Uh, Seaside, Seaside <laughs> Um, Freddie makes a self-referential uh, joke about the album by saying, Hot Space, let's go! He does. Yeah. What um, does that... And then an actual good guitar solo from Brian May that follows the melody line for once. <laughs> what, does, uh, what does Hot Space actually mean? I don't know. I didn't look this up. I guess it just means like some, somewhere that's hip and happening, I guess. A hot space. It means heaven in 1980 <laughs> when you... Uh, you meet your partner. What's his name? Jim, Jim Hutton. Jim, Jim Hutton, Hutton, yeah. Your servant, Jim Hutton. Three out of five. Oh, okay. Three and a half for me. Whoa. I really enjoyed this. What? A, I think this is probably the best opening run, run of songs we've ever had on an album. Uh, by, I, I mean, I can't even fathom how large that amount is that that's true. <laughs> As, yeah, I, I think it's it's all pretty strong so far, the first two songs. Uh, doesn't hold up, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be disagreeing at points. Okay, okay. Please do introduce us to track three. Uh, indeed, Nathan. Um, I'm glad you, you handed this over to me, because quite frankly, I'm sick of your back chat. Back chat. Well, we've talked about pop hooks on the first two songs. It's taken to a whole new level on this track. My God, this is an earworm, so I'm assuming you love it, Jacob. <laughs> There's not much going on in this song, lyrically. Um, apparently... <laughs> what? It's putting it mildly. <laughs> it's just about a guy who feels a bit hard done by, really, by his lover. Um, I haven't got any lyrics down at all. I've got that apparently John Deacon plays the guitar... On this song, with Brian May appearing only on the solos, I think. God, Brian, what was Brian May doing? Oh, Saving Badgers, probably. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> going to stop with that joke now. He does good work. <laughs> I, do you know what's really funny? I have the exact thing written down that you said. Not a whole lot going on lyrically here. And I also have no lyrics written down apart from... When Freddie Mercury near the end says Mercy Baku to someone he's not happy with. I also have that exact note down as well. <laughs> but it's the best bit. It makes no sense. Unless he's saying thank you, you know, thank you and fuck you. I don't yeah. really know what, um, what, what. And he was just ad-libbing, I'm guessing, at the end of the song. It's Freddie Mercury. He likes to throw in weird sort of yeah. romantic phrases every now and again. And by romantic, I mean French. 
Uh, <laughs> I think it's the best bit. <laughs> I think it's the best bit of what is quite a dull, inoffensive song. I and then it, it kind of tail it tails off, doesn't it? As it fades, it's like you know you're back, chat back, slap. It's really weird. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm intrigued to see what you've given this out of five. I've I've given it a three. Wow. Like it's serviceable. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've given it two and a half. I think this is this is pretty unremarkable. I would say. Let's get more ridiculous. <laughs> it's <laughs> track four. <laughs> Body language. Body language. Body language. Language. You know, you said about the last one that, that that was an earworm. Yeah. This has been stuck in my head for weeks. <laughs> I will <laughs> just be going around the house at various intervals, just going, body language. Um, it's really <laughs> annoying because I just can't shift it out of my head. Um, oh. What are your thoughts on this? Because I'm very intrigued. Really enjoy it. Really, really enjoy it. Um, did you catch the music video? No, I didn't know there was one. The music video for the song was the first one to be banned from NTV for its nudity, despite <sighs> the members of Queen being fully clothed throughout. It's just people gyrating, sweating, and surrounded by steam. <laughs> <laughs> so where's the nudity then, if they're all fully clothed? Or isn't there any? Is that the point? According to 1982, MTV gyrating counts as nudity. Jesus Christ. (laughs) How far we've come. How far we've come. I wonder what they would do with WAP nowadays. (laughs) Who knows? They would all have heart attacks and die. Body language is notable for its near lack of guitar. Atmospheric guitar chords sparingly dot the body of the song. That's quite funny. Um... With a brief two-note riff um, heard to emphasise the suggestive lyrics, uh, we've got a slinky synth bass line played on an Oberheim, not a Roland this time, and of course Freddie Mercury's moans and groans. What do you want to get into lyrically here, Jacob? <laughs> well, there's one bit that we're going to come to, which is which makes me laugh out loud every time. <laughs> there's a line that I highlighted where he goes... I got a case of body language. (laughs) I've got this written down. Is it a disease? (laughs) And I've written, how does one get this diagnosed? (laughs) You've been going to the doctors quite a lot, Nathan, for your various ailments. Can you imagine if they just turned to you and said, Mr. Packham, I'm I'm very sorry, but we we have to tell you, you have a case of body language. (laughs) I, they, they, that's probably like nearer a diagnosis than anything I've ever received from various of my, my various ailments. Please uh, let this know the next time you're at the physio. Just say, is there any chance this could be body language? <laughs> I mean, it could literally be the way I sit at my desk. Yeah, who knows? And then the doctor uh, picks up his bass and he's like, do 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 The overheim next to the running machine in the hospital gym. John Deacon turns up. With his Tesco oh, bags. The, the first time he's been out in public <laughs> in 15 years. <laughs> um, the other bit is just one of the funniest lines of a song I've ever heard. Yeah. Sexy. Body. Sexy. 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 S
I'm so sorry about the levels for the edit, Jacob. It's the funniest thing. When I first heard this song, I I was I laughed so hard. <laughs> I think I cried with laughter. It was so fucking funny. Um, have you got the ass line? I thought you meant the ass no, line. No, God, no. I, I remember that line, but nothing as funny as sexy body. <laughs> you got the cutest ass I've ever seen. You got the cutest ass I've ever seen. Not for My voice is shot. <laughs> Pace yourself. We've got another seven or so songs to get through. I've put in my notes this song is endearingly rubbish. I loved this. I can't decide whether I genuinely like this or not. I think objectively it's quite bad. Uh, I've just put in my notes what was Brian May thinking when he heard this. (laughs) This is just as far removed from tie your mother down as we're ever going to get. And now I feel I'm being really harsh. I've given this two stars. Oh my God. Because objectively it's terrible. It's our biggest disagreement ever. What have you given it? Three and a half. Oh, I thought you were going to be like four. <laughs> no, no. Good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to stay with me for the rest of my life, this song. Um, <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> You know the phrase, knock me down for a six? What does that actually... Am I really dumb? Is that like a really obvious analogy? I, I, and I've heard it before. I, I thought it was a cricket thing. When you're, knocked, yeah. when you're knocked for six, it's like cricket, but you're never knocked down for a six. Unless it's a... <laughs> you are when you've got a case of body language. <laughs> Unless it's a boxing reference, you're down for a six count. I don't know. No, it's a 10 count in boxing. Yeah, maybe he got up after six. Maybe he wasn't well, quite... Well, well, that would defeat the purpose of the analogy. <laughs> he wasn't quite flawed. He was just... <laughs> he was sort of slightly stunned, but he got up. He was fine. Oh. Maybe, maybe that's what body language does to you. It knocks you down for a bit, but you, you get back up. You know in round three where you get knocked out a bit, but you're good to carry on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is... I mean... I'm, uh, talking about it makes me like it more, but I can't. I think I can't up the a, a classic bad thing song. Oh my god! I think yeah, uh, th- yeah, love it. I love it, but I can't give it more than two, unfortunately. Right, let's get to the boring section of the album. Uh, <laughs> these are the songs that I, I guess were had uh, Roger Taylor and Brian May more involved in their composition, uh, and it might be I don't know if it. Cha- I don't know where the side changes for the LP. Oh, that's a great point. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to know where that is. Um, so we're gonna see Queen going new wave now uh, with action this day. It's a Roger Taylor song. It is the last song on side one, by the oh, way. Oh, it, it almost makes perfect just sense, about, but it doesn't. Just about. Actually, as, as a bridge between then what comes, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, 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 yeah, pretty straightforward uh, sort of pounding rock track. The new, the new wave comparison's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I just that's the vibe I got from it. Okay. I don't know. No, it, it was like... A hair's width away from being a punk song, but they just, because they're queen, they couldn't do it. <laughs> um, I, there are some pretty decent turns of phrase in here. 
your mind, honey, is a bleak place. Living in your mind's living in a blank space. Your mind's coming from a rat race. I quite like that. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Agree. Agree to disagree. Uh, I hate the drums on this song. It's like being hit over the head with a saucepan. It's just that's not my favourite bit of this really? song. It's too, it's yeah. too much for me. It's too sort of too short. It's too, buh, 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 yeah. Buh, buh, buh. It's just like it's like a bird pecking into the side of your head. It's just annoying. You know um, when we talk about the space and recordings, <laughs> these drums that ain't. Yeah, no, no, no space was harmed in the making of these drums. <laughs> um, what what the fuck is the solo? It's a sax I've got written Is it? down. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Dino Solera, apparently, <laughs> did the sax solo. That's amazing. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I didn't like it. Sorry, Dino. Um, it, it was a weird choice to shoehorn, literally horn, this uh, this solo into the middle of a rock song. Um I, 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 I don't really, no, don't really like this one. Apparently the phrase action this day is taken from Winston Churchill's memos. Um, <laughs> quite interesting that a song about social consciousness takes its refrain from a colonialist. Um, but he won us the war, okay, yes. <laughs> it was only a matter of time before Churchill turned up on this podcast. <laughs> Can we talk about the live recording again? Action! The deluxe edition has a live recording from Japan. Um, Freddie Mercury, with a bit of a dodgy accent, uh, says hello to the crowd. Uh, um, and uh, there is a great call and response duet with Roger and Freddie. And fair play to Roger Taylor, and you won't hear me say that much. Um, to sing this song and also play drums, that's fucking impressive. <laughs> um, can I talk about one of the years in this song? <laughs> what in the in, in the live recording or the studio? <laughs> the studio version to come back yes. to it. Uh, do you know about this? The the year? What's this? <laughs> okay, so one of the years. There's a bit where he just goes, "Yeah, Freddie." Yeah, that got that was released as a song. On Queen's final proper album, Made in Heaven, in 1995. Yeah. Um, The song is called Yeah. (laughs) It's four seconds long. And it was released four years after Freddie's death. It's also then sampled again in another song on that album called It's a Beautiful Day. And that is one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard. That is so... <laughs> they must have really liked that year. <laughs> I can't distinguish it from any other year I've ever heard. So if anyone know, if anyone can shed any light on that, that would be great. I can't remember which Led Zepp song it is, but there, there's a bit of studio chatter before it, and uh, someone coughs, and Robert Plant just goes, Cough! <laughs> 
I've al- I've always wanted that released as like a like a single. There's a bit on a there's the Paul McCartney song Alligator where at the beginning he goes, "Oh yeah, okay." And uh, we we joke about that all the time. And uh, I'd love to get that as a sort of soundbite. So maybe that's just what they were trying to do. Maybe that's what they were after. Do we know anyone who does remixes? That could be fun. <laughs> Let us know. Drop us a line. Two stars out of five for this? Oh, I gave it three. Oh, my God. And I think that is the fundamental difference between you and I. You're too nice with your recordings. <laughs> your ratings, sorry. Or maybe I'm too harsh. So now we're on to side two, I believe. We are. We're taking a downward turn. Flames might go upwards, but this goes down... It's put out the fire. Is that all, or have you got anything else? No, this is, I thought it all right. This is a really dull anti-firearm song set to a bog-standard rock arrangement. It's an anti-gun song. Yeah. From Queen. So I got my handgun and a blue him away. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know what to say about this, really. Um, I, I think protest songs are very important and can be done very artfully and tastefully but, but there, when, there's never been a good one um when they're so on the nose like this one it's like well, what do you say it's like okay you don't like guns that's fine obviously i agree but <laughs> i don't why do they need to be told that over four minutes <laughs> just just <laughs> tell me at least try and make a metaphor of it or something i don't know um, but yeah, there's there's a verse in this song which is just crap. I don't know if you if you've got this down. Go on. <laughs> you know a gun never killed nobody. Oh yes. You can ask yes. anyone. People get shot by people. People with guns. <laughs> so are you trying to ban guns or are you trying to ban people? What is the message here? It's the old right wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones's <laughs> argument, isn't it? That you know. <laughs> Pills cause the shooting death, not the guns themselves. <laughs> it's yeah, but you know, statistically, every single gun death involves a gun. A gun. So <laughs> maybe that's what we should be looking at instead. I do quite like how flippant he is about some of the the lyrics. Sort of when he talks so flippantly about just blowing people away. I think that that is a nice reflection of America's America's attitudes towards guns. I don't think this is as bad as an anti-gun queen protest song should be. So, I got to give it that, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that that's a fair point. Uh, but don't forget we've got Don't Try Suicide to help <laughs> oh, us out. Oh god. Um what are, what are your thoughts on this? I can't imagine you loved it. Oh, so boring. I gave it 2 out of 5. I just don't have a lot to say apart from the Alex Jones thing. <laughs> I also gave it 2 out of 5. So, we're back in agreement. Although interesting with 39 years down the line and people even back then were using the constitution as a means because the constitution is referenced in this song as a means to keep their highly dangerous firearms. Oh, what the fuck is this, Jacob? Please introduce the next song. How did this happen? What the fuck is this? 
Uh, this is track seven. It's called Life is Real, or open brackets, Song for Lennon. Nathan, it's a John Lennon tribute song. It is. Quite soon after his unfortunate demise. <laughs> Five um, minutes after we heard the news. <laughs> was this released before or after Paul McCartney's Lennon tribute song? Oh, I think it's all oh, good point. Same year. Around the same time. Yeah. I mean, one of the best Paul McCartney songs here yeah. today. Yeah, great song from uh, my favourite Paul McCartney album, Tug of War. Um, it's a Beatles reference, everyone. <laughs> real, real. Uh, Ma- Freddie Mercury, famously an enormous fan of John Lennon. There's very, there's a lot of interviews where he talks very passionately about his love for Lennon. Uh, Put Out the Fire, I think, was partly inspired by Lennon's murder as well. I read right, somewhere. Because yeah. uh, obviously uh, Lennon was, was uh, murdered by, not a gun, but by a person. Uh, <laughs> he was a very unwell person. <laughs> eh? That's why I killed people. <laughs> There's a line here where, where Freddie talks about breastfeeding himself. <laughs> yes. Guilt stains on my pillow, blood on my terraces, torsos in my closet, breastfeeding myself. No, that's, that's a different <laughs> lyric, but yeah. The immediate line uh, before is, loneliness is my hiding place, breastfeeding myself. <laughs> Where's the rhyme? <laughs> it's firing rickshaw all over again. I love that the song is called Life is Real and John Lennon obviously what, uh, hilariously once sang the lyric Nothing is Real. <laughs> and the song sounds a lot like the song Real Love, which came out for the Beatles anthology project, yeah. I noted. Yeah, okay, that's a good comparison. Yeah, I put the instrumentation is very Lennon. Uh, it is, yeah. On, I think intentionally so. Uh, yeah. But I've put, thankfully, Mercury is a much better singer. Oh. <laughs> Technically, yes. (laughs) I think there are some amazing lines in this song. Yeah. Music will be my mistress, loving like a whore, I think is a fantastic line and really illustrates Lennon's relationship with music. And uh, dream is just a pleasure dome, love is a roulette wheel, I think was an excellent line. If only I had that many people to choose from, but uh, (laughs) yeah, anyway... (laughs) Uh, I, I take it you're not a not a fan. Ah, uh, it's okay. I mean, my main problem is that it's a, you know a sensitive subject, and Freddie gets bored, and he just goes, "Life is cruel." That is a bitch. And I was like, "Really?" Uh, okay, that's that's fair enough. Um, I think this is the best song lyrically on the whole album. What about staying power? Come on. <laughs> that's that. If the, the title is eighty percent of the lyrics, you can't use that. <laughs> But the horns, the horns. I, I, what, what did you give it? Because I think I'm worried now. I gave it two and a half out of five. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I gave it three and a half. Ugh. <laughs> it's because you're a nice person. <laughs> I just, I really enjoyed the, the lyrics. Uh, I, I think Queen, Queen's best lyrics are those sort of grandiose, uber-romantic ones. And I think there's some pretty decent examples. Obviously, nowhere near as good as something like Somebody to Love. But, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was pretty good. I'll probably listen to it again. I'm really bored. Here's <laughs> another boring song. Calling All Girls. Calling All Girls. Calling All Girls. Calling 
It's a Roger Taylor Jacob. Yep. Uh, I've put in my notes, the title is horrific. And then uh, I checked who wrote it. Of course, it's Roger Taylor. <laughs> Why do you think it's horrific? Just really generic. Well, it's just the, the type calling all girls. <laughs> Just sounds like it's, love, oh. it sounds like it's about to be the most misogynistic piece of shit you've ever heard in your life. Did you watch the video? Oh, God, no, I don't know where <laughs> these videos are. Where is this? The video is a parody of the George Lucas film THX 1138. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Is that a film? Yes, apparently. It's not a rush yet. It's not a labelled rush. <laughs> in the it does sound like a labelled rush. It's a music video with robots in it for no real reason. Um, at least we get record scratching in this song, which is always appreciated. I hated those. <laughs> so annoying. What did you think of the backing vocals that are just sort of half assed? Uh, the calling all boys, boys. <laughs> <laughs> guys! Guys, you guys. I... Calling all girls, girls. <laughs> I thought they were horrible. I, oh. I don't like this song a lot. Um, it's another sort of spread the love kind of song, which seems to be their MO on this album. Um, it's not much going on, really. Sadly. Are we moving on? <laughs> Do you want to? Have you got anything else to say? No, I haven't. So I'll just say okay. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Boys. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Jacob, this next one's so weird. Can we, be, uh, we, we need to do a star rating for Calling All Girls oh, first. Oh, two. Yeah. Obviously a two. Same. Come on. Same two. Um, carry on. Please carry on for the, uh, to the I weirds. want you to do this song, so I'm just going to crack up saying the name. <laughs> do you want me to sing it for you in the style of yes, the Yes, sing it, Tony. You know I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> so we've had, our, we've had a German bit. We've had a French bit. Let's do the other major European language. It's a Spanish song called... Las Palabras de Amor. It's some absolutely classic Queen here. It's an old-timey troubadour-style song infused with bombastic rock, written somehow by Brian May. <laughs> also known as, as music's Don Quixote in the <laughs> troubadour style. As he rides off on his horse with a... No, he rides off on his giant badger off to... <laughs> his giant badger! <laughs> Tell you what, this felt like it went on for a thousand pages. <laughs> Uh, this is uh, one of only two tracks on this album on one of the Queen's greatest hits. This is on Greatest Hits 2, I think. Somewhere in the middle. So I had heard this okay. one before. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Nathan? I mean, I, I, this, the context is so weird. So I have got two different contexts that are sort of the same. Uh -huh. So it's either a tribute to Queen's Argentinian fans, and I don't know if you've seen any clips of Queen in Argentina. Oh my God, they um, go mad it's for him. Fucking in... mental. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, who in Argentina one day went, everyone needs to hear this, <laughs> and like, it just became this huge thing. So strange. Yeah. Well, there's um, that, that famous concert, not in Argentina, but in Brazil, which is something like the biggest paying audience in history or so. I think that is one right. of the parts in Bohemian Rhapsody that was factually accurate. 
And yeah, they they are so they were so popular in South America. And the other one is that it could be an allegory for the Falklands War. So it's all Argentinian based in some way. <laughs> and so, it's really boring. <laughs> oh no, I quite like this one. Um, it's again that the, the lyrics are quite preachy, but this one kind of works, I think, because it's masked by the flamboyance of it all, which is when I I think Queen are at their best. Uh, some nice turns of phrase again. One foolish world, so many souls, senselessly hurled through the never-ending cold. It's quite nice. Um, there's also a Despacito <laughs> reference. Well, exactly. I was about to say, as soon as I heard the the word, saw the word Despacito, I was like, right, I'm off. I'm going to listen to Despacito instead. <laughs> what did you give this one out of five? Two. Oh no, I like this one. I gave it three. Uh... It's just fun. It's just. Obviously, it has nothing I mean, to do with anything. Like, how did people think this was a disco album? <laughs> because it, it, it hooks you in with those opening bangers and yeah. then you turn over. <laughs> um, Nathan's copy of Hot Space is just scratched a high shit <laughs> on, the, on the B's side. <laughs> Out of anger. He's just taken some um, scissors and just destroyed it. Although saying that, I'm very much back in the game for the next song. Okay. Uh, Going more back to a groove, disco-based kind of thing. It is (laughs) another ridiculous name. Cool Cat. Super slinky, super sexy disco song. Love the falsetto vocals from Freddie Mercury. And do you know who co-wrote this, Jacob? Was it Brian May? No, it was John Deacon. <laughs> God, you're a deacon. You're a deacon convert. I'm, I'm an absolute deacon convert. Any man who can be supposedly that boring and be into electronics and also write those bass lines gets my vote. <laughs> it is unfair, isn't it, that his whole thing is that he was just a bit boring like yeah he's he's him and freddie are the two trying to keep up with the contemporary trends yeah and then they get pushed so this you know they should have released this album maybe two or three years earlier but obviously probably may and roger were like rock i i agree i'm laughing but i completely agree uh that being said not this song's biggest fan i must say no it's just um, if it's all right, it's like it's fine. I think the falsetto, the falsetto thing is very impressive. Uh, I'm not necessarily its biggest fan. This is the second most streamed song on the album. Yeah, it's probably me and my friend Yian who have loved this song <laughs> since about 2010. Just listening to this song, it's got it's got 38 million plays. Oh my god! In third place is Las Palabras with only seven million. So. It's got a real cult following, which is really odd, because I'd never heard this song before until I heard this album. There's a line where he says, because you're a cool cat tapping on the toe with a new hat. <laughs> is dancing not a tippy toes? <laughs> no. Um, is that what cool people do? <laughs> tap their toe with their hat? Have you heard the David Bowie version of this song? I 
I know that he banned them from releasing it because he didn't he did. like it. He is featured as ba- a backing vocalist and does a few spoken word lines. Um, to he's, he's sort of rapping, I seem to remember. <laughs> oh from, Jesus! Yeah, um, and then he his his backing vocals are basically saying the word "bum" repeatedly. They made the right choice. It's very weird. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I'm going to listen to that after we're done here. I've given it two stars, which might be a bit harsh again, uh, but I can't. I wouldn't push it up to anything higher than two and a half. It's not for me. Uh, I'm tempted to try the falsetto out, but I think it's going to break oh, my mind. Christ, no, we're so close to the end, please. Um, <laughs> I gave it three and a half out of five. Wow. This is really highlighting our uh, dis- discrepancies. Yeah, you our, hate uh... boring music. I don't. <laughs> no, sorry, you love boring music. I don't. Well, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> That's on recording now forever. Damn so. it. <laughs> Are you going to release it as a four-second song? <laughs> With David Bowie on backing, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Jacob, introduce the last track. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows I fucking hate it. Go how, on, do it. How did we get here? How has this happened on Bad <laughs> Things? It's an absolutely monstrous song that we're going to have to talk about in a review capacity. Jesus Christ, the final track on Hot Space is Under Pressure. Is this our first number one single on the main canon? Oh, good question. Because I think it might be. I don't song... think Thick made it. <laughs> Apart uh, from Blurred no. Lines. Well, yeah, I guess so. Um, but in terms of proper reviews, there, I would say, yeah, like, this song is fucking enormous. I, I said that Cool Cat was the second most streamed. Uh, this is obviously the first. Do you want to have a guess at how many streams this has had on Spotify as of the 18th of June? Oh, I think, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go quite ridiculous. Okay. I love that you use the Spotify desktop app as well to find this out. <laughs> that is so you. Um, 600 mil. More. More! <laughs> Billion. How much? Sorry, say again. Billion. Close. 918 million. So it's a billion by in the next couple of months, right? Basically, by the end of the week, yeah. It's by the end of the week, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, it is their fourth most played song on Spotify. <sighs> of all their songs, fourth most played. Let's get into this now. I had no idea that this is a really well-reviewed song. Okay. I thought everyone was like, oh, really? Um... <laughs> What what are your thoughts on this? Did we talk about we haven't released it yet, but I think we talked about this in the eighties extra bad, whenever that eventually we, we comes did, out. Yeah. That's been stalled. That that will come out eventually. That is our, our cool cat with David Bowie. That will come out <laughs> eventually. Um I've I've gone back and forth on this a lot in my life. Uh sometimes I love it, sometimes I think it's really overrated. I don't think it's anywhere near their best. <laughs> But it is better than I remembered it being. Uh, but the lyrics "bum ba ba ye" are just so important. 
exactly. You missed out Dedeo Dedeo. It's the bit I resonate with. There's actually two lyrical bits I picked out that I love. All right. Um, well, it, they're both kind of breath related. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh God, how am I going to do this? Um, <laughs> so you know when he's like, "Hi, hi," I can't go. I can't get yeah. any. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's um, a great bit. And the give love, give love, where he just goes on and on and doesn't take a breath. Like, it's insane. Yeah. The bit I always like, uh, weirdly, is from Bowie, where he goes, slashed and torn. <laughs> I always really like the delivery of, of There's that There's another four-second song. <laughs> um, I, I, It's really hard to rate this one objectively because it is just so all-consuming and has permeated consciousness. I mean, we've had it on this podcast before with bloody Jedward. So it's <laughs> No like... more vanilla ice, please. <laughs> it's just, it's an absolute monster of a song. People, people love it. Um, and I, I would, I would say I'm more inclined, inclined now to say it's good because I do actually, I did enjoy it going through and hearing it again. You sheep. <laughs> Yep, that's me. Uh, two out of five from me. Oh, no. <laughs> Three and a half. Oh, I've got so I... many discrepancies today. What's going on, Nathan? This is, wow, breaking new ground. I've just realised Cool Cat and Under Pressure both, well, the David Bowie, they're obsessed with the bum backing vocals. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Freddie Merck, no, I'm not going to say oh dear um should we move on i mean because that's that's it with that's that's the whole thing um 11 tracks two sides pretty listenable i would say this album in terms of sort of length um, the queen album i would listen to well if i was on a weird queen dystopia <laughs> desert island and some drunk 18-year-old girls were like they were when i was 18 singing bohemian rhapsody horribly <laughs> At the end of, what was it called? Uh, oh, Secret Discotheque in Brighton. <laughs> Pouring their fucking, I don't know, Lambrini over me. Secret secret Discotheque sounds like it was kept secret for a reason. <laughs> it was a popular event. Oh, wow. Um, God. Growing up oh, in, in Brighton in the mid-aughts. What a the- time. <laughs> Or come to our Friday indie event, Friday I'm in Love. Oh, that's clever. I went to both. I actually preferred getting the Labrini poured on me. So, <laughs> secret discotheque, you win. Um, oh, God. <laughs> that's about a lie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should we wrap up? Shall we yes. go to the reviews? Let's do some reaction. I want to talk about the in uh, intra queen reaction first, if I may. What a what a what a word! Um, <laughs> I don't think don't think it's a word. <laughs> of course, it's it not is. a word. Um, disliking the new sound, the fucking gargoyles, Brian May and Roger Taylor were highly critical of the influence that Paul Prenter, who is essentially a Freddie Mercury clone in the Bohemian Rhapsody film, 
Freddie Mercury's personal manager had on him between 1977 and 84. Recalling the recording process, Taylor openly criticised the direction printer uh, was taking Mercury in, and uh, in a comment that's definitely homophobic, he said... Printer wanted our music to sound like you just walked into a gay bar, and I didn't. <laughs> what a shock. May later said Hot Space was a mistake, and we've kind of said this already, if only timing-wise, mm. because they didn't get on the bandwagon early enough, because the disco sucks thing kind of happened in the late 70s, early 80s, mm. and then you get to 1982, and, you know, the majority of Queen fans who are already going to be like, ooh, what is this, are going to be hating it even more by that point. Uh, reviews, Jacob, what have you got? Well, um, quite harsh reviews, I would say. Uh, the <laughs> one that stands out for me is the review from Q Magazine in 2004, which listed Hot Space as one of the 15 albums where great rock acts lost the plot. <laughs> which is, I think, quite unfair, because it's not like there's it's not like this is a full-on you know earth wind and fire bgs style disco album (laughs) there's still enough on here i think to satisfy the fans of the big stadium rock i love that the second disco act you mentioned weren't african-american that made me laugh uh anyway sorry (laughs) because i'm me okay and i'm sorry i'm sorry Uh... Gloria you're going, Gaynor, you're Jacob. Dis- if you're going disco albums, you mentioned the Bee Gees. That, that's how it works. To, I mean, to be fair, the biggest selling disco album yeah. of all time is the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Exactly. All right, I'll let you off. Why don't you download this weekend, for fuck's sake? <laughs> but yeah, I think, it's, I think that's really unfair. Um, in terms of... Uh, I, I haven't got much on sort of contemporary reviews. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of the reviews sort of on Wikipedia are mixed to low but i don't know yeah. how many of those there's a lot the of time. missing stars there's a yeah. lot of <laughs> there's a lot of missing stars yeah um but i i don't know i mean there's a uh, there's this stuff that's like uh alex petridis of the guardian who gave it two uh <laughs> Who, uh, who who says that by the time of 1982's Hot Space, Disco had mutated into the weird skeletal dubby electronic sound, which didn't really suit Queen at all. Um, he actually says that Queen could have been quite suited to Disco, saying it was melodramatic and unrepentantly camp, uh, which which is like Queen, he says. So, uh, yeah, again, I mean, th- th- yeah, the timing was massively out on this album. Because um, if you look at 82, you've got people like Madonna coming into the front. It's the year of Thriller by Michael Jackson. So He who shall not be named. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's come up again. Um, but, yeah, uh, what what have you got in terms of contemporary reviews? Well, yeah, the Petridis was the main one, and he basically said, you know, Hot Space could have been a lost classic, but when you actually listen back, it, uh, apart, he says, apart from the occasional flourish like back chat... <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> a, so- a song that we both didn't like? Ah, oh, three out of five. It was oh, right. yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Um, at the time, Smash Hits gave this a five out of ten, which is like mm-hmm. a two out of ten for Smash Hits. Um, <laughs> what is Smash Hits? We've never had them before. No, it's a, it was a big uh, like pop music um, magazine oh, in the okay. 80s and 90s. Not still uh, around, are they? I don't believe it's still around. I mean, who okay. buys magazines, let alone Smash Hits nowadays? <laughs> 
Um, Stephen Thomas Erlewine, obviously a less, you know, a, a more contemporary review. Uh, two and a half stars out of five. He he got it all wrong though, but I don't often disagree with him. He loves under pressure and he preferred side two. I'm like, come on. <laughs> but that's the thing. I think a lot of the reviews today are going to be missing that context of where Queen were at the time and where fans didn't want them to go. So I think I think it's easier to look back on this with a positive light. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if you ask people, just, just, just the average sort of layperson on the street, what they thought of it at the time, especially if they were big into Queen, they will shit on this from a great height because... Yes. Uh, yeah, it's Queen doing disco, which is about as far removed from what people wanted from Queen as... You're going to get. There's a reason that the song that is the most popular off this album is one of the least disco-y tracks. There's a reason staying... What is, what is that song? Pop rock, I guess? <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit of sort of, I guess, well, I, I don't know, really. Yeah. There's a reason staying power isn't a big track these days. Unless you live in Milton Keynes. And <laughs> <laughs> which you can still hear it ringing out to this very day. In terms of what I have finally given this, this to me is the best thing we have ever reviewed on Bad Things, <laughs> in my opinion. Wow. God, you hit me with that out of nowhere. Boom. Bloody hell. Um, Side one, hello. Do I agree? God, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. Maybe I do Oh, every agree. podcast. Maybe I do agree. It's up there. Top three mm. out of the now <laughs> 17 episodes we've done, which is also mad. Oh, I do like Grease 2. <laughs> yeah, it's between this and Grease 2. Yeah. Oh, fair. Okay, you know what? I, I, I would go for that. Yeah. I think In terms of the numerical rating, I would give this a 62. Oh, I, I actually have now rated this on Album of the Year, and it got a 63. <laughs> so we are... <laughs> Now, that's weird that we disagreed quite a lot, but we came to the same sort of general conclusion. Ah, um, overall perception. That's the way it goes. I think, yeah, massively unfair criticism, mostly coming from where Queen were at the time rather than the actual quality of the music. Uh, I don't think any band should ever be shamed or downgraded for trying something new, especially when... Especially if you're straight and you don't like it. <laughs> Um, especially when you're trying to sort of go with what's popular at the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, to mention them again, the Beatles did that quite successfully. Uh, Real, real. (laughs) Uh, You know, modern act Taylor Swift did that quite successfully with her last two albums. I I think it's, I really hate it when people are like, oh, just stay the same forever. Because then you get ACDC who are still making the same song 50 years later. Uh, and there's just no point. There's no point doing that for the rest of your life. You become a tribute act to yourself. So I I don't think this is a bad thing. And I don't think it deserves the hate, quite frankly. Do you remember when Beyonce headlined Glastonbury and everyone was like, what the fuck is this? What? <laughs> it's that kind of attitude, isn't it? Yeah, well, Jay-Z headlining Glastonbury, Metallica headlining Glastonbury. It's just... <laughs> People don't like change. So. The toxic attitude that led men to uh, hire out, I don't know how they did it, but um, burn uh, burn disco albums in the middle of a baseball field. Uh, a big two fingers to you and <laughs> fuck your narrow way of thinking. And that's how we're going to conclude. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> On a lighter note, uh, we have a new poll winner. 
um, you went animation crazy for the next episode, and uh, we had quite a few votes. People got really involved in this one. They did. Who won the animation film playoff? Well, thank you everyone who got involved in what will be our July episode. Uh, we did accidentally end up releasing two episodes in June. Sorry about that. Uh, but it turns out Rock of Ages was an absolute bastard to edit, so... Sorry, but we will get that out. We'll get this. This will come out at the end of June. This is coming out in July, this next one. And for a while, it looked like we were going to review a Spanish-Italian Titanic sequel. Uh, But right at the last minute, it's the film that I wanted to win. Thank God. It's the film that is probably going to be our most divisive yet because it actually got pretty decent reviews. But I refuse to believe it's anything other than a big steaming pile of poo. It's Sausage Party the animated adult comedy featuring anthropomorphic food. I saw the reviews and I was like, he's lost it. What's happened? (laughs) Yeah, but did you read the plot synopsis? (laughs) I am aware that that this is probably going to be very ridiculous. Yes. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I've deviated away slightly from what this podcast was set up to do, but I just refuse to believe it's any good. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe this is good. So let's find out. You framed it in the right way by saying that you just can't see how this is going to work. <laughs> and I hope we're proven wrong. We'll see. Well, I kind of hope we aren't. <laughs> but there we go. And you know when we used to do polls and bring back the second place entrant? Uh, yeah. We should do that again because I want to do that Titanic film. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think I, I was quite happy with all of the entries in that poll. So uh, maybe I'll put the hop film in. Uh, around Easter next time, so it actually makes sense. But <laughs> let's, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think we could definitely do the Titanic one again. Uh, I think I could probably weasel that into another poll. Well, as one brat first closes, <laughs> another one opens. Uh... <laughs> oh dear. Uh, it's our next music poll. Um, and as a celebration of our recent Corp Hop tournament, Jacob, it's mm-hmm. one final Corp Hop blowout. Yes. Um, with four awfully reviewed commercial hip hop slash R&B albums for you to choose from. And here we go. I think all four of these acts were in our Corp Hop tournament. The first one of these is the album Sorry for Party Rocking by LMFAO. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm not sure why they're apologising here because they're not ones for remorse. Uh, we've got Sexy and I Know It, Party Rock Anthem, and of course, terrible reviews. I think this could be a lot of fun. Um, do I say this now? Okay, I'm going to say this now. I bought this album when it came out. Oh, God, at midnight. <laughs> I Engelberted it. No, I, I, I was absolutely... Uh, besotted with Party Rock Anthem when it came out. 2013, I want to say. Is that about yes, right? Sometime, so... sometime around that. So you know this album? I do. I probably oh, still God. have this somewhere. <laughs> so um, this could be very... In- I might end up listening to this on the original CD release. So, wow. You know, let that let that inform your vote however way you, you wish to. I hope those higher res files really help you out on the CD. I don't think it's going to make any difference. (laughs) Um, Also, there'll be a classic Dave Packham anecdote for (laughs) this episode. Just as a little, you know, if you want to hear another one of my dad's stories, then vote for Sorry for Party Rocking. Uh, Entrant number two, uh, the only solo album by Dappy. Oh, Bad Intentions. Yes. We'll have discussions on that time he descended from the ceiling on an episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks. 
And we'll also be talking about Brian May yet again because Rockstar is on this album. It was going great guns in the tournament, but I think at the time of writing it has now been eliminated. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Wow, Dappy, N-dubs. What a time. What a flash in the pan they turned out to be. <laughs> Dappy, Jaleesa, the other one. <laughs> I Wow, two very strong contenders there. Didn't buy this one. But, uh, you know, that could change. There's a whole discussion about the cover art and how terrible it is as well. <laughs> Entrant three, and not as always not going to beat around the bush. My pick for, for victory this time. It is the Will I Am album from 2013, hashtag willpower. The king of court pop tries to get on the social media bandwagon by inserting a hashtag into his album title. We've got Scream and Shout on here, the duet with Britney Spears. And also hashtag that power with Justin Bieber, which on a first listen was one of my worst listening experiences ever. Will <laughs> I feel the same re-reviewing that song? Is this the album with The on it? The was only a single. Oh, I did no. look this up. Yeah. Oh, oh that song is so funny. <laughs> but I'm just saying there's going to be a prehistory, Jacob. So... God, Mick Jagger. I think your hatred of Will I Am has been well documented at this point. I think he's come up. I can't remember. If he hasn't, then I don't know how. Because you, you. Oh hate... my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> you hate the guy. Uh, hate, hate is too strong. You hate, hate his work. Hate is too strong. A large majority of his work. Yes. <laughs> uh, and the story of the Black Eyed Peas is fascinating. So, wow, that is a doozy. Or I was going to say, don't vote for it too much. Make it come second and we'll do an exclusive Black Eyed Peas poll uh, for the next music. The next music poll. Because Lord knows everyone wants to hear about Will I Am's Songs About Girls album. Um, entrant number four is probably not going to win, but I had to choose something for entrant four. It is Wild Ones by Flo Rider. Oh my God. Um, some mega singles and some thoroughly annoying earworms on this one we've got good feeling and also wild ones the single will it sound any better nearly a decade after release mm. wow yeah this is uh this is just a trip back to my early days of discovering music basically this is this is a trip back to my days after school watching four music on my freeview television in my room uh and trying to work out what the hell was going on <laughs> Is that sex? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember this album when it came out. Didn't buy it. Uh, but obviously those tracks were bloody everywhere. And Flowrider, where's he? Is he still around? Was Was that him at Eurovision? Am I wrong? <laughs> I think it was, actually. It yeah. was, wasn't it? <laughs> Can't remember which country. It was, it, it was a weird one. It was not one you'd, uh, you'd uh, expect, but, you know... Hey-ho. What a selection, Nathan. Uh, a veritable trough of uh, court pop-themed shite for us to get our snouts into. I think maybe my favourite poll to research so far to that... find those albums. I mean, I know all of those albums pretty well. And I think uh, especially our audience is going to remember those songs and those albums very, very well. So... 
this is going to be very interesting, I think. Bloody bloody good job, sir. And uh, just before we go, Jacob, uh, probably the most important part of the podcast, where can people find us on social media? Well, if you want to vote in those polls, you can do on our Facebook page. It's Bad Things the Podcast. If you search for us there, we're on Twitter at Bad Things Pod. We're on Instagram at Bad Things Pod as well. You can find the podcast on Acast and Apple Podcasts. We are working on getting it onto other platforms as well uh, it's just our lives are a bit crazy at the moment so we once we actually get our heads down and, and really give this some welly we will put it on more places i promise but for now those are the only places you can listen to them but it's well worth a go so why not check out our back catalog you can listen to our review of rock of ages the awful rock musical movie you can hear our review of robbie williams rude box victoria beckham's debut solo album movie 43 the god awful (laughs) star-studded picture Uh, and of course the wilson awards 2021 which is a great way i think to catch up on the first year of bad things if you missed that so it's all there check it out and why not leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice because it helps us get discovered so thank you very much for your support so far Please continue to support the podcast and stay tuned. We've got some big ideas, fingers crossed. Yeah, we are moving house and we don't have desks. So uh, <laughs> that's that's priority at the moment. Um, Once we get I'm the desks many, out of the way. Yeah, I'm having many a sleepless night about all the shit that I've got to sort out. So... Um, <laughs> Yay. Um, But not to end on a bad note, thank you for listening in. We will see you next time for um, for some sausages. (laughs) This podcast is already a sausage party, so Um, it's literally now. Should we make hot dogs and eat them whilst we're... (laughs) ASMR's back. ASMR. Oh, that reminds me of like hot dog eating contests, which are just (laughs) the worst things to watch. Uh... (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway... (laughs) Anyway, it's a goodbye from Jacob. It's a goodbye from me. Uh, It's a goodbye from Mr. Nathan Packham as well. Goodbye, and I don't know how to end. Uh, We need to do some sort of Freddie Mercury noise to end. (laughs) Sexy body! (laughs) Dale! See you next time uh, for Sausage Party. Bye-bye.